0: This is the Scott
1: Bradley Show podcast. I saw a story uh, in the paper on the spec.com actually today. And I thought that this must have been a rerun, a repeat of a story. Somehow I thought that the system at the spectator was acting up and firing old stories back onto the website again, because the headline is new ultra low cost airline to fly out of Hamilton. And it seems to me that I have read this story more times than I can count. And I, I just, I can't understand. Well, first of all, I'm trying to figure out if I've lost track and maybe it's not happened that often, but B, if it has, if I'm correct, why does it keep happening when someone says they're going to do this, it fails, says they're going to do it, fails. At what point do they say, you know what, this is not a business model that seems to work in this city. Marvin Ryder, our friend who is the guy we go to for all this kind of financial economics human explanation kind of stuff, joins us from the DeGroote School of Business. Marvin, thanks for doing this tonight.
2: My pleasure. And you're not losing your mind. In the last 20 years, 20 different airlines attempted to start. Only two actually did it.
1: It takes a lot of money to start an airline, and presumably people who have that much money also have some kind of smarts, you would think. So after 20, Marvin, where is the person who's saying, you know what? This business model has failed 20 times. Maybe I'm going to look at something different.
2: Oh, you see, you don't, you don't look through the entrepreneur's eyes because this time I've got the formula. <laughs> Those people didn't know, but I got the formula. Now, look, you're absolutely right. It takes a lot of money to start an airline, but what they forget is that when you do start, you're not going to be operating full planes. It takes a while for people to trust you enough to book those tickets. So you also have to have enough cash to kind of keep the operation going for a year or two or maybe three until you can get to some kind of a steady state, and that tends to be where they failed. Now, specifically what we're talking about is an airline called Canadian Jetlines. Uh, or excuse me, Canada Jet Lines has actually been rumored to get started for the better part of three years, and it's been very, very slow to get off the ground. But yesterday they made the announcement that they are finally ready to go in the summer of 2018. Wait a minute, ready to go? That's nine months from now. Yes. Well, we just like give you a warning. Ready-ish. Advance warning. We're going to do it, and we're going to base ourselves out of Hamilton and that hotbed of airlines, Waterloo, specifically Breslau. I mean, who knew how big the rec- market was in Breslau? Now, I'm, I'm not trying to be unkind to them. They may very well have got their ducks in an order, and they may very well have the money. This is a publicly traded company. Mind you, it's traded on what's called the penny stock market, so you know those aren't big-buck companies. But they are definitely going to try. And the reason why you thought you'd heard this story before is that last year, there was a discount airline start, ultra-low-cost airline start, called New Leaf. Now, it had yes. it had just a horrible start. It was actually going to debut around Valentine's Day in 2016. Called themselves New Leaf Airlines, but they weren't an airline. That's where the, the Canadian transportation people said, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're not an airline. They actually were sort of leasing or subleasing the, the planes from somebody called Flair. Flair actually flew the planes. All New Leaf did was sell the tickets. So they repositioned themselves as New Leaf Travel. They did debut in July of 2016. And, you know, things seemed to be not too bad to get started, but, you know, they were going to fly to 10 destinations, including some sun destinations. In January of this year, they started to cancel some of those destinations. And again, because they were a ticket seller, not an airline, they weren't obligated to give passengers an equivalent flight somewhere else. And so there was some concerns among consumer organizations that way uh... they dropped some destinations and so then in july of this year Flair said you know you know there's no goodwill with that name new leaf why don't we just buy that out get rid of those people and just do this ourselves and so they have uh... and and to give you a sense of it i don't think you can call them a failure in the last year they flew more than three hundred and sixty thousand people on 300 or so flights in the last year. So they've certainly got their feet underneath them. But uh, Flair announced yesterday, same odd, oddly enough, both organizations make the timing, that they were going to centralize their operations in Edmonton. New Leaf had been in Winnipeg. Flair actually had been operating out of Abbotsford, British Columbia. They were picking Edmonton because it was an international hub. And then they also made this truly startling announcement that they were going to add flights to Vancouver and Toronto. Now, why is that startling in an ultra-low-cost airline? Keeping your costs low are very important. And Vancouver and Toronto Airport's Pearson Airport are two of the most expensive airlines in the world to fly in and out of the landing fees are outrageous. But what they said was, you know, given their first year of experience, consumers said, well, you know, I don't mind flying to Hamilton if my destination is Oakville or Mississauga. But if I'm truly trying to go to Toronto or maybe a little further east, you know, I don't like Hamilton. And worse, Abbotsford, that's a two hour drive from Abbotsford to Vancouver. And people said, I'm either going to Vancouver or I'm not. Abbotsford doesn't cut it. So they've announced that by Christmas time they're going to add those destinations. So there's a lot of turbulence, if you will, in this ultra low cost airline. But there's still this feeling that consumers uh, want to get these extra cheap fares where you pay for everything. The only thing your fare covers is a seat and a seatbelt.
1: It just always seems to me odd that there are a lot of people who are west of Toronto who don't probably love Toronto traffic, don't want to have to drive through Toronto traffic, people in London, people in Hamilton, people down in Niagara, in Waterloo, all over the place, who you would think if somebody could just, even if it was the same price, almost, as a Toronto airline, if you could have the convenience of flying into Hamilton, landing, getting off, not the big weights, not the big traffic, not the huge cost for parking, that some airline could not only make Hamilton really work, but become known as, hey, you come to... Buffalo has made... The Buffalo Airport has made quite a great living off of people who go, I love flying out of Buffalo because it's not Toronto. And I've just... I don't understand why Hamilton has had such a hard time establishing itself with those benefits that it has
2: so let me make two points around your comments first now you see now i think you do have the entrepreneurial bug because that's the thing that every entrepreneur keeps saying i just don't understand why i can't tap into that if you add the populations of oakville burlington hamilton throw in some mississauga you have well over a million people that's more than enough to support that but I will also say that in these 20 years that we had this problem and and most of your listeners probably can't remember back 20 years ago but you would as a sports reporter uh, you know Hamilton Airport was being used for people like the the Blue Jays yes. flying in and out of because we don't have a curfew you could have a late game and still get in and there were these wonderful stories 20 years ago of people like Roberto Alomar what have you trying to drive to Hamilton Airport and getting lost because we didn't have a direct route you know they'd show up on some but how do I get to the airport <laughs> So that was a big problem 20 years ago. Now, fortunately, you know, powers that be have, have invested in a wonderful road to get you there. So access to our airport is so much better than it was before. Uh, so I think we do have the infrastructure. What we need now is an entrepreneur who has those kinds of deep pockets to not simply start, but continue I to invest saw a story in that airline and in invest the paper, on the in spec. that to begin today. to set up a pattern. And I thought that this must have been a
1: rerun, a a repeat of a story. Somehow I thought that the system at the Spectator was acting up and and firing old stories back back onto the website again because the headline is, new ultra-low-cost airline to fly out of Hamilton. And it well, seems I to me that it. I no, have well, read this story no, 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 no time more times than I can and count. And I, I just I can't understand. Well, first of all, I, I, I'm trying to figure you out you three or four airlines are, lost track. Three or four airlines along the way had to go off and forget it. It's a new one. You know what? No, it's not going to work. Now, Why does it keep happening when someone says they're going to do this, uh, it fails? Says, says they're going to do it, it fails. At what point American do they say, airlines, you know, this you is you not a business United model or that seems southwest, JetBlue? Marvin Reiden, they have our friend who is the guy reliable, we go to for all this say, well, kind of okay, financial economics, to to Florida, human explanation kind of stuff, joins us from the DeGroote School of Business. Marvin, thanks for doing this tonight.
2: I can remember 15 years ago flying on 20 different airlines U.S. Airways. It States States. takes a
1: lot of money I to start have, an airline, and connection. presumably people, people who have that much money West, also yeah. have some kind of smarts. Are, you would think? So after cost twenty, cost Marvin, is where is the person who's saying, you know what, this business model has failed twenty times? Maybe I'm going to look at something different.
2: you don't look through the eyes. I've got the formula. Those people didn't. You mentioned, by the way, the Blue Jays used to You're fly right. in and out of here because it, it was convenient. Uh,
1: we just had line. about uh, a month ago that, that huge that fight with Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor when they, they had their place. press conference in Toronto, downtown Toronto. To Conor McGregor and his entourage were flying we in and out of Hamilton because it was easier to get in and out of. Kind of My question though then becomes, we had West, you bring up WestJet, we only have a few minutes, you bring up WestJet WestJet seems to be the one that was closest to a Hamilton airport success story. It was reliable, It was. we knew it was a little bit less expensive, you could it's land, I, I remember flying to out to Vancouver one time, and back, I touched down, years, wheels down, and into very, my house was half an hour, and I said, I will fly WestJet West from Hamilton every single time if I can, finally ready even if I have to pay a little more, in the summer and then of it seemed too, to kind of go squirrely again, what, minute, what happened to, to WestJet, why nine did WestJet not stick around and work,
2: ready-ish, you're trying to sell tickets to a population out of Hamilton, shall we say, east of us, a hotbed of Pearson, Waterloo, there is just this, this magnetic Pacific pull, and so when some spaces opened up, Who knew and how big the recent market West was at Breslow went up the road now, and went I'm, to the highway, I'm and, not and they left some planes here. to them. But they may very well have got their orders in order, and they may very well have the money. Now, now that, that a both newly flash flare is traded on Canada Jetways, said they've sort of rediscovered Hamilton companies. Guess what? They are now here. About and Canada. Why you thought you some more planes to Hamilton and a WestJet? Maybe we'll bring some more planes to Hamilton. This could, could actually be great news for us if we're sort of rediscovered as that hub. New Leaf. Now, it only yes. remains good news if people have the deep exactly pockets to stay there. So around I'm encouraged, I'm thrilled. I know people who have flown, called themselves New, New, New Leaf, Leaf, Leaf they weren't airlines, always they weren't happy about the nickel timing. That's where the uh, 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 I think I shared with you earlier today that initially, an airline. New Leaf started, actually were a carry-on bag. waited until he's got the airport, you were charged
0: $80 for a carry-on bag.
2: New Leaf did was sell the It was $40. So they redropped some of those. Fees. They've got a little better travel. on their fee schedule, they did but people weren't just in July for you. I pay for a carry-on bag, and, you know, sure, things seem to be not but, too oh, bad to get started, you want but they were going to fly to 10 destinations. they've learned how to deal with these ultra-low-cost carriers. January, think are in a better position to succeed, and I hope Canada Jet Lines does really well. I hope, there's they were a great competition what the competition do brings down prices for everybody. Last thing, is there somewhere else.
1: that, you obviously know that Air Canada is not going to abandon Pearson like, and suddenly uh, decide Hamilton is the place, but is there any reason so why Air Canada couldn't run this year, some Blair flights said, out of know, Hamilton and say, know, look, you know, yeah, most no of our flights are in Toronto, but if you are west we of here and if you that want to have a convenience, of those people. yeah, we'll just just fly just a few flights out here. We'll fly once a day to Orlando during the winter or once every second day to Orlando or wherever else. Is there a reason they couldn't do
3: that? Absolutely not. It's really their
2: choice and so, again, when they sometimes do do this as a trial. They'll try it once Got their, See what the take-up is. If they get but enough to end, they're going The same yes. few weeks ago, I, I was visiting a place called in Palm Springs, California. California. Now, that's they were going not a centralization their operation in, in the summer because it's very hot Edmonton. there. But this New past year, when Air Canada did an experiment where they ran a direct, direct flight every day from Toronto to Palm Springs over the winter months. And they were so encouraged by the response they got. They committed to doing it for another three years, at least over the winter months. And so, again, in Palm Springs, they're thrilled bringing Canadians the Low cost this is the experiment your you call call always have to important. do and in the Vancouver airline industry in Toronto because our travel air patterns ever flow are two million dollars down. So airlines air in the world there, to fly in and, and have to be experimenting. Landing. So Air Canada can come back. And in a sense, but what they, they said was, was you know, given their first year of experience, class, consumers said, well, you know, I don't mind like flying Hamilton to airport, Hamilton if my I destination is Oaksville or Mississauga? Is Hamilton an expensive really air, to to airport, Toronto by the way? No. no it's not you know, an expensive like airport. As far as the, the taxes to land the fees
1: to land and stuff like that. It's not expensive at all. And it's also got that advantage that if there is a delay, I can still land here. They've announced late in Toronto and you say you absolutely
2: have to land, after a lot if you will. Bigger in this peak, the ultra low-quality airline, because, because of that, still this feeling Hamilton Airport is want done to get very well these extra on cheap the courier side of the business. everything, the business the only thing side. Thing those packages is seat, go in seat. and out at three in the morning, four
1: it in the morning. It just always seems to me odd that th- there are a lot, lot of people who are west of Toronto who probably love Toronto traffic, don't want to have to drive through Toronto traffic. People in London, people in Hamilton, people down in Niagara, in Waterloo, all over the place. Who you would think if that Somebody that could just, here, even if it was the lot, same price, almost as a Toronto days, airline. Like if you could have the convenience people, of flying day, into Hamilton, you know, landing, quickly, getting off, not the, weight, not the big wait, not the big traffic, not the huge cost spot. for parking, not to beat a dead some horse, but we could also put could an eight million square foot Amazon, Amazon heads there with fifty thousand people there. Hey, you come to Buffalo has made the Buffalo Airport has made quite a great living off of people who go. I love flying out of Buffalo, it's not Toronto. And I've just, I. I don't understand why Hamilton has had uh, such a hard time just, right now, establishing itself no, no, with no, no. those benefits but last that last night has. i, I got to let you go, let but let I did. Say, I raised this last night, and I don't know first. the answer. Now, see, now I think At the peak the of the steel industry in Hamilton, how many people were employed combined saying, between Stelco and DeFasco? why I can to that. Oh, it was? Okay. Between but that was also in that heavy
2: labor-intensive period. It was very quick after that, and started to automate, and that number went down. But I will also say that in these 20s, early 60s, had this 30, and most of your listeners probably
1: can't it's, remember um, back Yeah, I'm not holding my you breath, would, but, I've, a uh, reporter, but boy, would that be a nice surprise to wake know, up to Hamilton one morning. You know,
2: Airport was just Being another quick note. I know you want me to go, but Blue Jays yes. flying yes. yes. yeah, in and out of because we don't I have a curfew. Have, have a late and game and still in. There were these wonderful stories 20 years ago of people like Roberto Alomar, what have you, trying to drive to Hamilton Airport and getting lost. We didn't have a direct route. Even if do I get it, the region gets it. So that was a big problem 20 years ago. Now I would leave. As long as we've got the Canadian have, entry, uh, invested not in not a wonderful backyard, road to get you there. So, access Marvin Ryder from the DeGroote so School of Business. Always,
1: before. always, always appreciate uh, the time. Thanks so for I this. so I think we've uh, the
2: infrastructure. Uh, yeah. What we need I now is an I've entrepreneur once, who
1: has those kinds of big pockets. Totally once, maybe twice can't remember now, but at least once I've flown airline, in and out of Hamilton, hub, and i got to tell you, to it was the best pattern. experience what, what you're really talking about of an, an airport ever. I literally cabalobian. was when wheels fly, down, off the plane, had the my truck. luggage, out fly the, fly the, the door, truck. Truck. into my car, and in That's my front door in roughly half an hour. You cannot beat that. I've never figured out how we cannot make our airport work so that we can have a steady, reliable, consistent, ongoing airline flying out of here.
2: You've got to have reliability. Yeah,
1: Buffalo, three or four airlines along the way. After say, that, you go off, oh, forget it. It's a, a new one, better you know than up for no, three hours work. to now, go Buffalo through security at Pearson. Because Just saying. You've had I've done that, too. Type, uh, uh, no thanks. Airline
2: corporations. I don't want to say it's American Airlines, but whether it's United or whoever. Southwest, JetBlue. Right. And they have committed, and they've been reliable. And then you say, well, okay, if I'm going to go to Florida, I know I can get a flight out of Buffalo but for Hamilton it has ebbed and flowed there were really good years you know i can i can remember 15 years ago flying on um, on uh, us airways to pittsburgh and then from pittsburgh anywhere in the united states and i absolutely love that connection other people remember in the early days of westjet which started not as an ultra low cost this as a low cost airline and how much people loved it when it was here but then things ebbed and flowed and they moved and they changed We got down pretty quiet here five, six years ago. So the airport is not the airport isn't welcoming, but we need the entrepreneurs who can stay and make that commitment and become that reliable option.
1: You mentioned, by the way, the Blue Jays used to fly in and out of here because it was convenient. Uh, We just had about uh, a month ago that huge fight with Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor when they had their press conference in Toronto, downtown Toronto. Conor McGregor and his entourage were flying in and out of Hamilton because it was easier to get in and out of. My question, though, then becomes we had, West. you bring up West. WestJet. We only have a few minutes. You bring up WestJet. WestJet seems to be the one that was closest to a Hamilton Airport success story. It was, it was reliable. It was, we knew it was a little bit less expensive. You could land. I I remember flying out to Vancouver one time and back. I touched down, wheels down and into my house was half an hour. And I said, I will fly WestJet from Hamilton every single time if I can, even if I have to pay a little more. And then it seemed to kind of go squirrely again. What what happened to WestJet? Why did WestJet not stick around and work?
2: Well, you know, again, you're trying to sell tickets to a population, and many of these people a little further, shall we say, east of us are so predisposed to go into Pearson, there is this this magnetic pull. And so when some spaces opened up in at Pearson, WestJet, you know, went up the road, went to the highway, and, and they left some planes here, but they didn't have the same commitment. Now, again, here's the funny thing, though, Scott. Now that both New Leaf at slash Flair and Canada Jetways has said, you know, they've sort of rediscovered Hamilton, guess what? You now hear about Air Canada saying, well, maybe we should bring some more planes to Hamilton. And WestJet, maybe we'll bring some more planes to Hamilton. This could actually be great news for us if we're sort of rediscovered as that hub. But it will only remain good news if people have the deep pockets to stay there. So I'm encouraged. I'm thrilled. I know people who have flown New Leaf. They they weren't always happy about the nickel and diming. Uh, I think I shared with you earlier today that initially, initially when New Leaf started, uh, a carry-on bag, if you waited until you got to the airport, you were charged $80 for a carry-on bag. If you booked in advance, it was 40 They've dropped some of those fees. They've gotten a little better on their fee schedule. But people weren't just quite prepared for, you know, I pay for a carry-on bag. Sure, a check bag. But, oh, a soft drink? You want $4 for a soft drink? But, you know, they've learned how to deal with these ultra-low-cost carriers. I think we're in a better position to succeed. And I hope Canada Jet Lines does really well. I hope there's great competition because what does competition do? It brings down prices for everybody.
1: Last thing, is there any reason that uh, you obviously know that Air Canada is not going to abandon Pearson and suddenly decide no. Hamilton is the place, but is there any reason why Air Canada couldn't run some flights out of Hamilton and say, look, yeah, most of our flights are in Toronto, but if you are west of here and if you want to have a convenience, yeah, we'll fly a few flights out here. We'll fly once a day to Orlando during the winter or once uh, every second day to Orlando or wherever else. Well, Is there a reason they couldn't do that?
2: Absolutely not. So it's, it's really their choice. And and so, again, what they sometimes do is do this as a trial. They'll try it one winter, see what the take-up is. If they get enough demand, they're going to keep doing it. A few weeks ago, I was visiting a place called Palm Springs, California. Now, that's not a popular destination in the summer because it's very hot there. But this past year, uh, Air Canada uh, did an experiment where they ran a direct flight every day from Toronto to Palm Springs over the winter months. And they were so encouraged by the response they've got, they've com- committed to doing it for another three years at least over the winter months and so again in palm springs they're thrilled bringing canadians down spending the money this is the experiment you always have to do in the airline industry because our travel patterns ebb and flow canadian dollar goes down you go here it goes up we go there and you have to be experimenting so air canada could come back and in a sense then again with canada jet lines and with new leaf slash flare flare uh, shining a spotlight on Hamilton airport I think some of the major airlines will rediscover us.
1: Is Hamilton an expensive aerop- airport, by the way?
2: No, it, it, it's not an expensive airport. As far as the, and the
1: taxes to land or the fees to land and stuff like that?
2: It's not. No, it's not expensive at all. And it's also got that advantage that if there is a delay, I can still land here. If you're late into Toronto and you say you absolutely have to land, but it's after a certain time, you pay an even bigger fee, a penalty. Because of that, this is why Toronto, or excuse me, why Hamilton Airport has done very well On the courier side of the business, the business side, those packages go in and out at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. I know it upsets the neighbors nearby to have planes going in and out, but that's what's kept the airline, excuse me, kept the airport viable without a passenger service. The business travel still is quite strong. If we can add more passengers, imagine 300,000, 400,000, 500,000 people using that airport over the year, and that's not a lot. Divide that by 365 days, that's like 100 people. Uh, excuse me, a thousand people a day, you know, it, it can add up pretty quickly. I think there's still this potential by shining the spotlight.
1: Not to beat a dead horse, but we could also put an 8 million square foot Amazon headquarters there with 50,000 people working there and fly in and out and uh, probably help our airport too.
2: Yes, yes, it would. <laughs> uh, 50,000 employees in the area it would dwarf our biggest employer, which is Hamilton Health Sciences, a little over 10,000. Uh, but uh, just, I'm telling you right now, don't hold your breath. No,
1: no, 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 no. Well, last night, i, I got to let you go, but I did. Say, I raised this last night, and I don't know the answer. At the peak of the steel industry in Hamilton, how many people were employed combined between Stelco and DeFasco?
2: It was damn close to 50,000 oh, in okay. 1960 between, the, between them, but that was also in that heavily labor-intensive period. It was very quick after that that we started to automate, and that number went down. But yes, back in the late 50s, early 60s, about 50,000 people worked in steel
1: it's um yeah i'm not holding my breath but i've uh but boy would that be a nice surprise to wake up to one morning
2: just another quick note i know you want me to go but if if toronto i think is definitely in the running for it and if they locate a headquarters and i'll just wave a wand in sort of the greater mississauga brampton you know area that would still have tremendous spillover benefits into this region so even if we don't get it but the region gets it it's still going to have tremendous benefits. So I, I, I would, as long as we've got a Canadian entry, even if it's not in my backyard, I'm still going to be excited.
1: Marvin Ryder from the DeGroote School of Business, always, always, always appreciate the time. Thanks for this. Anytime, Scott. Uh, yeah, I loved. It. I've done it once. I think it's only once. Once, maybe twice. Can't remember now. But at least once, have flown in and out of Hamilton, and I got to tell you, it was the best experience of an airport ever. I literally was wheels down off the plane, had my luggage, out the door, into my car, in my front door in roughly half an hour. You cannot beat that. I just, I've, I've never figured out how we cannot make our airport work so that we could have a steady, reliable, consistent, ongoing airline flying out of here. Because i got to believe there are people from west of Toronto who would say, "Ah, it's a lot better than lining up for three hours to go through security at Pearson. Just saying. I've done that too. No thanks. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Earlier today, I pick up a paper. This was one out of Toronto. And I saw a headline and I saw a piece that, i got to tell you, I, I was not entirely sure that I was ever going to see In my life, I was not sure I was ever going to see this in my life because I have been alive for a few years now, but not long enough to see the Leafs ever win a cup. I was not even born when the Leafs last won a Stanley cup. I was still, I was still a first trimester fetus when the Leafs won their last Stanley cup. And so I did not think that the day was going to come. But there's an article in a paper in Toronto, a talking point, we'll call it. I mean, that's all it is, it's a prediction, that we're close. That the way the Toronto Maple Leafs are set up right now, we are actually close to being a team that could win a Stanley Cup. And I don't know what you think about that, but I it got me thinking. It got me thinking, is this real or is this just something to try and get clicks online or to get people saying that the author is crazy or whatever else. And you know what? I'm not sure that it's that crazy. At least open training camp tomorrow. And, you know, I can go back to, if you're, if you think about it, 1970. What year was it, 77, 78, when Roger Nielsen was the head coach and Daryl Sittler was with the Leafs and Lanny McDonald's was with the Leafs and Errol Thompson and Ian Turnbull and Borea Salming and Mike Palmatier had showed up and all those guys. And that was probably, I mean, we had later years. There were later years for the Leafs when Doug Gilmore and Dave Anderchuk and those guys were around and Felix Potvin. But they've been few and far between, and very few of them seemed like They were going to be the years that we could actually win something, that the Leafs could win something. When I say we, I mean Southern Ontario, that fans here, long-suffering, long-suffering fans who pretty much had come to the conclusion, I think most of them, that they would never see a champion. I think a lot of people had essentially just given up and said, you know what, it's never happening It is never happening. I will live the rest of my days, and I will never see the Leafs win a cup. I think a lot of people have come to that conclusion. I think a lot of people are finally saying, you know what? Hmm, maybe, maybe there is a chance that before they shove me into the ground, I could actually witness a parade down University Avenue in Toronto that would rival, or I even think, I believe it would dwarf, well, not dwarf, it would be bigger. I really believe that it would be at least as big, if not bigger, than the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series last year. That was a huge parade. There were something like a million people out to watch that parade. That was a hundred and, hundred how many years that they had not won the World, the, uh, World Series and the Chicago Cubs won. What do you think? Are we, are we on the precipice of something that we never thought we would see in our lives? Are we on the precipice of the Toronto Maple Leafs actually being a contender? Not just saying that because they're trying to sell tickets or because we're all suckers or whatever else. Are we actually on the precipice of the Toronto Maple Leafs being a team that could actually, maybe, possibly, legitimately be real contenders for a Stanley Cup? 905-645-3221 or star 9900. What do you think about that? We're just waiting. We're trying to catch up with a guest here, but in the meantime, what do you think about that? Do you, let me put it a different way. Do you care? Because this, the, the, the belief has always been that there's a lot of latent Leaf fans. There's a lot of Leaf fans that they're not right out there. They don't announce themselves. They don't proclaim themselves as Leaf fans because, well, frankly, because it's been a little embarrassing in recent years. It's been a little embarrassing to stand out front and publicly say, yeah, yeah, I'm a Leaf fan for sure. Yeah, it really matters to me, and then have people mock you for that. But there is a widely held belief that if the day ever came and it started to come, that the Leafs really were good again, that they that people would be coming out of the closet left, right, and center. The Leaf jerseys would be flying. It would be like the days after a playoff win. You know, every time around here when the Leafs win a playoff series, and I granted, it doesn't happen all that often, but the people have their little car flags out and they're driving around honking the horns. You just win one playoff series and it's like they've won the Stanley Cup. Does it re- Does it matter to you still? Or has 50 years... Of the Leafs, most of 50 years anyway, of the Leafs losing and losing badly and being an embarrassment a lot of the time, has that beaten it out of you? Do you just say, I don't really even care anymore? You might have been, once upon a time, a giant Leaf fan, and now you say, I just don't care anymore. I just, I couldn't be bothered. How do you feel about it? Paul joins me on the line. Paul, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you, Scott? I'm great. So let let me ask you, do you believe first of all, that the Leafs actually are close-ish to winning a Stanley Cup?
0: Um, No. I mean, I, I want to <laughs> believe
1: it, but no. Does it matter to you? If they were, if they start this year and they look really good, does that matter to you? Will you be one of those people who will be living and dying with every game because it's time?
0: Well, I mean, I've been a Leaf fan all my life, right? So... Um, through the ups and downs and every well, from the more downs than the ups. I suppose.
1: absolutely, you're right.
0: So, so yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it, it would, it would be, uh, it'd be great. It would matter, you know. It'd be huge, but uh, you know, I don't know what the Chicago fans felt like, um, but to me, it's, it's you're just expecting something.
1: To that you know you know what paul you, you just touched on something that i think is very valid and very fair and very accurate and that is i think for a lot of leaf fans who have lived through some or all of the last 50 years even if things go well there is just that expectation that the entire house of cards is going to collapse at some point there is no i don't think there's anybody out there who actually in their heart of hearts would let themselves believe something good could happen to this team. You might want it to, I'm just not sure you could believe that it would happen to this team.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm with you. I I think a lot of people want it to, but, um, you you know I mean? I I really hope this is it. I, I I think anybody who thinks that, you know, they're going to actually compete for a cup this year, I think is probably a little optimistic. Um, I think they got a great foundation right now. Um, My opinion, Uh, you you look at the teams that have been there, they got some great young talent like the Leafs, but also a lot of character depth players in there too that uh, I'm not sure the Leafs have right now.
1: Paul, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Thank you. 905-645-3221 or star 9900. The, The bigger question is, do you care? After 50 years, do you care whether the leafs are stanley cup contenders or have you either become so dispirited by their continual by your expectation that they're going to fail or so disinterested by the fact that you know over the years you've just had the enthusiasm beaten out of you do you care if and when the leafs might be stanley cup contenders do you get yourself excited would you let yourself see this is another thing i think there's a lot of people who really are of the opinion that it takes a level of emotional commitment to buy into a team. It does, which is what makes winning so great, but also it makes losing when you're a sports fan so horrible. And when you you give out, when you exude that or give out that emotional commitment year after year, and you're always beaten down. There comes a point when you say, ah, I just I don't know if I have the energy or the enthusiasm or the emotional capital left to spend on this. Wake me up. Look, the Blue Jays game, the Blue Jays right now. The last two years, this time of year, the Rogers Center was jammed. It was rocking. The Blue Jays now, they're playing in front of an empty place. Because why do I want to go and give the emotion and give the energy and give whatever to a team that I know isn't going to win. They might win tonight. They might win a game, but they're not winning anything. They're not going to the playoffs. They're not competing for a playoff spot at this point. So for the Leafs, after 50 years of this or whatever your lifespan has been, do you care? When you see a headline that says, the Leafs are actually going to win a Stanley Cup in our lifetime. The writer said the Leafs are going to win a Stanley Cup. Do you buy that? Do you care anymore about that? I'd love to know. 905, as I say, it's 905-645-3221, star 9900. Does it matter even a little bit to you? Or, contrarily, does it matter entirely to you? See, the beauty of radio is that You don't have, people don't have to see your face. And so you can actually admit, yes, this means everything to me, and they don't know who you are, so that you could admit that if that was something you didn't want to do publicly to someone, you know, face-to-face, and they go, okay, you might want to have psychological counseling. Paul joins me. I don't know if it's the same Paul or not. Is this the same Paul? No, this is Frank. uh, Oh, Frank. Okay, sorry, I got the wrong.
3: I'm going to correct you just before I start. Please. Uh, uh, About not seeing your face. We've seen your face.
1: Yeah, that, and that's that's. And I'm sorry see, for that. I'll
3: tell you what, and you're getting calls, and you're getting listeners. So, uh, you know what you said is not too um, uh, vital to the to the situation of of talk radio.
1: <laughs> no uh, you know what it, people the one of the beauties of talk radio though frank honestly is that people can call in and they give their name but we don't necessarily know not everybody knows who they are so there is a level of comfort for people who might not want to do the same face to face with somebody you can do it here but anyway carry well, on
3: let, let me let me top that up by saying this is when you're going to get the truth now, i'll tell you about about the what you're just uh, uh about here on the leaf so-called uh demise and people are going to start uh, not want, wanting to watch them getting tired. No, no, I told your screener. If you're a loyal sports fan, you're waiting for the coming. You're never going to stop uh, cheering for your team. I'll go so far as saying, if people f- say, oh, I'm not going to watch the Leafs, you can bet, Scott, they're going to have one half an eye on that. They're going to sneak downstairs and watch the TV. Or they're going to change the channels and they're going to wait for a minute. And when they change the channels, they're going hold- to keep going back to the Leafs game just to see just to see what's happening. What do
1: you think? I, I no, You know what, Frank? I agree with you, uh, especially in the years when they are competitive. The times when you wonder if people have just given up is when every night you know they're getting pounded and you find something else to do. And maybe not even that, because let me w- let me say one other thing. The years when your team is so bad, people actually still watch to see just how bad the spanking is going to be. It's well, the years when they're just not good enough to actually win anything that you kind of get bored.
3: Well, you get bored, perhaps. You get the, more, more, or less. You get frustrated. Yes, but, you know, We all watch the Blue Jays this year. I mean, maybe not as intently as we normally do, but we all we, we watch in the name of hope. Let me let me leave you with that,
1: Frank. I appreciate the call. I got one more to get to. Thanks okay. for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Let me quickly get to Fred. Fred, you got twenty seconds. What do you oh, think?
3: Okay, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, ...are bad, like over 50 years. My team, anyway, is Montreal, okay?
1: Oh, Fred, okay. Fred. Yeah. There are, anyways, You can take medication people, for that.
3: Okay. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people think that, seeing that they have the leaf on the front of their shirt, and they're called Maple Leaf, they represent Canada. Well, they don't represent Canada. They have a baseball team, Blue Jays. It used to be good. It's down. The basketball team is no good. Their football team isn't any good. Anything... I think anything with Toronto is out of the out, of, out left field.
1: Fred, Fred, I appreciate the call. I said I had 20 seconds. I got to run, but thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, Fred will not be getting a Christmas card from John Tory or the Toronto Board of Trade or Chamber of Commerce or anyone or the Sports Franchise Association of Toronto. Fred, I don't have Fred's last name. See, that's why. It's talk radio. You can get away with this. So nobody from Toronto will find Fred and go, come on, Fred. You're killing us here. We'll see. We will see whether, A, if the Leafs are any good this year. They were good last year. We'll see if they're any good this year. And, B, if all those people who have been waiting, waiting to jump back on the bandwagon, if they all suddenly, if the Leafs have a big start, if they're all back on board and suddenly everybody's wearing their Leaf jerseys again and saying, Oh yeah, I was always a Leaf fan. I was always a Leaf fan. I never left. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. And I think that I'm going to be preaching to the choir here. I expect I'm going to be preaching to the choir a little bit, although maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm alone in this one, maybe, or maybe it just doesn't happen to that many people. But this morning, I get on the highway to drive to work, and I'm in the left lane, which you know, people say, oh, you're in the fast lane. No, no. There is no fast lane on the highway. Understand, the law does not say that if you're in the left lane, you can drive at whatever speed you want. We're not in the Autobahn. We're not in Germany. The left lane is not the fast lane. The left lane is generally considered the passing lane. Now, this was a two, this is the 403 coming from the mountain down towards the downtown. So, even if it's the passing lane in a two-lane highway, you're going to use both lanes. So I don't feel guilty about being in the left lane. And I wasn't driving like a pokey little puppy. I wasn't going at 80 or something where I was driving everybody nuts and slowing everyone down. I'm driving the speed of the rest of traffic. Which was probably, being very honest, if I was hooked up to a lie detector machine, I was probably doing about 107 instead of 100. <gasps> I'm saying that's my honest answer. I was doing about 107. The car behind me was way behind me. I wasn't causing any traffic jam. I wasn't nothing like that. So I'm driving along. I'm coming to work. But the guy to my right decides he doesn't like the speed that his lane is going. And he doesn't want to wait for an opportunity to safely pull into my lane, either behind me or in front of me. So looking directly at me, So in other words, I know that he sees me. This is not a case where there's an accident. We've all done this. We've all had a moment of bad driving where we move into a lane a little bit and we don't notice there's a car there and we feel terrible because now the other person is all bent out of shape and it's our fault. We know it's our fault and hopefully we would give a wave or... Tap your chest or something to show that, yeah, you know what? I know that I messed that up. Sorry. That was my bad driving. The guy looks at me and merges into my lane to cut me off and misses the front of my car as he pulls in, misses the front of my car by about six inches, literally by about six inches just right in front, doesn't care that he's cutting me off, doesn't care that I've got nowhere to go, looks at me, decides he doesn't like the lane he's in and decides I'm entitled to take over the road. I'm entitled to do what I want. And then proceeds to, as I'm trying to pull back a little bit so that I'm not six inches off his bumper the whole way because we know what that's gonna what's going to happen if I do that. As I'm slowing down a bit, he starts to, Ram on his brakes so that I have to swerve partway onto the shoulder to avoid crashing into the back of him. I tend to not be someone who spends a lot of time driving in road rage mode, but I'm telling you. There are times when people on the road, even if you are waking up in the morning, you're feeling good, you're looking forward to having a good day. There are people that can push you to the point where you you're so angry at this person because again, last week I did the stupid driving thing. I turned into a lane that wasn't my lane and I partially cut someone off, and I immediately realized it, pulled back to my lane, rolled down my window. I'm not a saint, but rolled down my window. So when this woman pulled up beside me, I yelled out my window, that was me, I'm sorry. I think she thought I was rolling it down because I was going to yell at her, but I said, that was me, that was my fault, I'm sorry. The idiots who actually believe the road is their own playground that no one else matters, that they can look at you and decide they're going to drive any darn way they want to drive, and you have to get out of the way of them, and you want to know something based on his driving and based on what I know of the rules of the road. If he had pulled into my lane so that I was a foot behind him, not of my own doing, and then if he taps his brakes and I smash into the back of him, guess who's going to be charged with that collision because there probably aren't going to be witnesses to stick around. I'm going to hit a guy on the highway from behind. Guess who's getting nailed with that accident on his insurance? Me. I can argue, oh, well, look, he pulled in front of me. Unless I have a dashboard camera or unless someone, a good Samaritan, decides to stick around and say, no, no, that was his fault. I'm going to be the one who is responsible for that. And here's what ended up happening. And Ben, I don't know. Right? Ben, do you, dr- you drive, right? Yep. Okay. I was so mad this morning that there was a moment there when he was pulling into my lane after looking at me and knowing that I was there and he's pulling, I'm actually thinking to myself, I hope he hits me. I actually hope he hits me so he can get what's coming to him. That's what I was feeling at that moment until I start thinking about in the last year or so, we've actually had both of our cars hit by other people, not our fault. And it actually happened about three weeks apart and understanding the pain in the butt that it is to go to the auto body shop and get a new car that you have to wait like a, a loaner and get all the stuff done and all the insurance papers then you realize oh no i really don't hope he hits me but what is it about people in their cars that they act like such Beep. put your own word in there i don't care what word it is that you use what is it about people in their cars that they lose a all the manners, all the humanity, all the decorum, all the whatever it is that they should normally have and act like complete jerks. I don't understand the concept. I don't understand why it happens. All I know is that it happens a lot because this is not the first time this has happened in the last little while. This happens a lot. And once again, I am, you know, if someone pulls into your lane You're going to be a little ticked at first if they cut you right off. But if you realize very quickly by their reaction that, oh, I am sorry. I mean, if you realize that it was a driving error, which happens – I tend to be pretty understanding of that. Oops, I made a mistake. We've all made those mistakes. We hope that the other drivers around us are on their toes so when we make a mistake that they will bail us out, quite frankly, and vice versa. I hope that I would bail someone out if they made a little driving mistake. But you also kind of hope that they are recognizing you know, that it was an accident, not a not an actual accident, but that it was a mistake. You don't expect people to look at you and just to cut you off because they can. That, I'm, I don't know what makes people, uh, for me, there's not a lot of things on my plate that get me more angry than that. And I don't know why it is. Ben, I don't know why things that happen in your car, not by accidents, but when people do stuff to be a jerk, I don't know why that gets me more angry than most other things in life that they do that. You know, someone calls me up on the radio or sends me an email and calls me a bad name. Ah, Who cares? But in the car, maybe it's because I'm driving 100 kilometers an hour and someone can get hurt. I don't know. But that that makes me more angry than almost anything else.
0: I can understand
1: that. I I, I don't know if this guy, you know, maybe he just had a fight with his wife. Maybe he was, I don't know why. I don't know what, but it enraged me this morning. And I don't even know why it enrages me. That, that's something else. I'm probably going to have to go and seek some sort of counseling for this. Because I don't know why it made me so mad. Except for the fact that it appeared. And I, if you've ever had this happen, maybe walk me through this. Tell me if you, you have the same level of anger. It's not that he cut me off. It's that he cut me off intentionally, it seemed, and could not care less that he did it. That's the part that drives me nuts. Apologies go a long way, even in a car, a little wave. You know, one of the lost things that we have in driving these days is when you merge into a lane, I come off the link every morning and then get onto the 403. I have to merge or someone has to merge in front of me. If I let someone merge in, you want to know something? The lost art of just going, hey, a little wave in the back window. Thanks. Goes, you know, does that not, if you, especially, okay, Ben, you're a driver. Yes, I am. You're in the left lane of a merge. You're in the the proper lane, but there is the merge lane. And there's always the one... Again, I'm trying to pick the right word. Person. You're not being very creative, but okay. (laughs) Who decides he is going to go the full distance of the merge lane, pass everybody who's been waiting patiently, and then try and jam his way in. And you're supposed to, I guess... Let that person in, although more often than not, you see the people pulling right up to the bumper of the car in front so they can't get in. But if you do let that person in, the very least that person should be doing is going, Hey, thanks, little wave in the back window, thank you, appreciate it, not just getting in and then zooming off and acting like a jerk.
0: Or even when you're in traffic and everyone's lined up and you know that they're going to merge later on, not like not kilometers down the road, but you're, you know, 30 meters until then. And you see that one guy behind you, he just comes out and guns it right down going, I'm going to get in front of you. Every single time that is what gets me angry. Cause it's like, just wait 30 seconds. That's all I'm asking. 30 seconds of your time to not
1: go around me and cut me off. Frank writes, whatever happened to the big C courtesy on our roads these days, in my years of driving, I have never had over-aggressive lane changers pull in front of me Uh, minus a signal of their pre-intent to do so, with hardly the length of their car even to fit in. He's never had that? Wow. I I think he may have misspoken there, because I have that, I think, almost every day on that merge area. The guy won't, won't put his blinker on and just tries to jam his way in. Why... 905-645-3221 905-645-3221 or star 9900. Why is it that in our cars, these kind of things drive us more nuts than almost anywhere else? Cuz again, you know what? Someone walks along my street and does something. Calls me a name, yells something, whatever. I'm I'm fine with it. I can that's, I just laugh it off. It's no big deal. It's water off a duck's back. Someone at work says something to me. You got to you got to say something pretty darn mean to get through my rhino hide. I'm, I'm you know, I'm pretty thick-skinned. Maybe it's this job, maybe it's doing two jobs like this where people have their opinions of what you say or of your opinions. That's fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion and sometimes, believe it or not, there are actually people who call up and use naughty, naughty words when describing how they feel about me. That's totally okay. I actually generally just have a little giggle and move along. It never bothers me. But somebody acting like a, Jerk in their car intentionally sets my pushes pushes every single button that I have. A couple of years ago, we were driving along the 403 towards Brantford, just outside Ancaster, and two people, to use your name, I won't choose any other adjectival descriptors, passed us racing. One of them in a Porsche, Porsche. One of them in, I don't know what the other one was. He was going too fast for me to identify it. They had to be going 190 to 200 kilometers an hour. Like they were easily going double the speed I was. And all I'm thinking is, if I had not, like you look in your rearview mirror, there's no car right there. If I had pulled out the time that I would have been blasted off the road and all I can think is, why am I, I mean, now that explains, I knew why I was enraged with that one because that could have killed someone. I halfway expected that, Two kilometers up the road, I was going to find a huge pile-up with them having killed someone. But I just, just this morning, I got to tell you. And it it took an hour for me to chill. Maybe it's because I had just finished a giant, large coffee that was black and I was already caffeinated. I don't know. I just can't understand how there are people who truly believe that this planet is theirs. The roads are theirs. They are the only people who matter. They are the only people that should require any consideration. And if you get in their way, you're the idiot because this is their world and you're only living in it. Drives me nuts, which perhaps I guess should be a lesson for me to make sure that I'm not the one ever doing that to someone. Maybe that's the lesson to take out of this whole thing. If it drives me that crazy, make sure I'm not doing it to someone else. But my, mm, when that guy just, Again, he looked right at me and then just decided he was, he didn't care if he ran me off the road. He was getting in. It was his turn. He was going to get in. It was his spot and he didn't want to wait. And if I had to swerve out of the way, too bad. So sad. It's not, not your road. It's my road. And you know what? It'll happen to someone tomorrow. It'll happen on that merge tomorrow because someone will go the full length of that empty lane and then right at the very end when the when the lane has no room left so they have to get in they're going to squeeze and push and try and get themselves in and you know exactly what I'm talking about you know exactly what I'm talking about cuz it happens too often it happens too often let me go to Frank here Frank is uh Frank is on the line again Frank how are you tonight
3: yeah, fine. Sorry for calling again.
1: No, that's you, fine, Frank. You
3: just, you just triggered something. I'll, I'll tell you what.
1: I hope it didn't trigger something. That's a, that's the word now that we're not allowed to use. We can't trigger anything.
3: Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. But,
1: you know what I mean. Go uh, ahead.
3: Maybe it's not so healthy in Hamilton. Okay, hold on. Now, I was just telling you, Screener, uh, just not too long ago, uh, within a couple of months ago, I was driving uh, to 403 towards London, and uh, a, a Dodge, a white Dodge came flying by me. I didn't even see the guy coming and he was whipping down the highway and he was dipping in and out of cars. Well, of course I didn't get his license plate, but I had the I I was so uh, you know uh, just kind of shaken by the fact that he got by so fast and he was dipping out of everybody. I called the OPP, uh, not the 911. And some people may not think that you can call 911 in the case of aggressive driving. When I did, I just mentioned that it was a non-emergency and I reported it and they had a dispatcher in the police department come right on to me and she asked me exactly the description which way he was going. And uh, I described it all, and they asked me exactly when all oh, what my name was and all those things to 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 verify it. And no sooner than about thirty thirty five kilometers up the road, later I saw two old PP cars convening on him, and they took him over. So they will they will react if you feel as though you're threatened. And then this is a case where if this guy didn't kill somebody else, you know you know what I mean, he was going to do do it to some uh, to himself.
1: Uh, Frank, and you know what I'll say this: uh, it's only happened to me once. In all the years I've driven, that someone has been the idiot on the road, and as I go up the road, you see them pulled over by the police, and I will say this, and it's mean, and I apologize because it's not a glowing reflection of my sterling, sunny personality, but when you see that person pulled over by the cops after nearly wiping you out, there is a deep and abiding sense of satisfaction, i got to say.
3: Also, a a, a deep and abiding sense of relief.
1: Yes, yes. No, I'm I'm with you.
3: Uh, there, but leave me with this. Uh, always leave room for this. There are risk takers in this world, and they'll do anything to uh, polish their ego.
1: Frank, it's a great point. I appreciate the call. Thanks.
3: Good
1: night. Uh, you know what? That's a, that's a very good point. There are people... I don't mind the risk takers. You know what? If you're going to be a risk taker, go somewhere and skydive, maybe bungee jump. Go for a... Piercing in the genital region. If you really are a high risk taker and you want something to really blow your brains out, just don't put someone else's life at risk. That's all. That's all. That's all we ask. And don't do it intentionally. I've been holding on to this all day. I finally, I finally, whew, I finally feel better. Thank you for being my therapist.
0: The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900, AM 900, CHML.